Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. You hear me talk about Ralph Hager a lot. Ralph was one of my mentors in my life, and I remember I had this, uh, I had a mare that I was breaking, and um, Ralph was on his horse named Rabbit, and he had a little riding arena that, it was outdoors, it wasn't indoors. He, there ain't no indoor riding arenas in Texas because it's too dead gum hot. But anyway, so it was outdoor, and it was about the size of this room here or something, and I'm out there riding her and everything. And anyway, I kind of cut across the middle of the arena there, and she starts to slow down, and I just kind of gig her a little, ain't no big deal, just, you know, smooch her on up, and all of a sudden, her head disappeared, just, huh. And I mean, I don't, I don't reckon I was ready for it at the time, because she got me all set off all crazy, and I mean, she was a bucking down there, and I, it, it, not that she was bucking that hard, it just kind of caught me off guard, and the first thing that happened is I wasn't squeezing with my my little old thighs there. And the first thing I did is I went up in front of the saddle horn. I still had both stirrups. But it is a little bit uncomfortable with a with a capital uncomfortable to ride with both feet in the stirrups in front of the saddle horn. It is a moving experience. It moves a lot of you, including your vocal cords. And so in response to her negatory move, and in my flight to keep from just hitting the ground, because I'm one of these that I will do whatever it takes, however it takes, whoever it takes, I will sacrifice you to keep from getting bucked off. I'm telling you that right now. So I did the only thing I knew to do. I shucked both struts and wrapped my arms and legs right around her neck. And I was a little bit too heavy for her. I think that's probably the first time I've ever said that I was too heavy for anything. I was a little too heavy because she wasn't a big thing. She was just a coming two-year-old. And I'll never forget, she couldn't buck me off with me up right. I mean, I had her in a headlock. I looked like Rambo in a cowboy hat. So what she did is the next best thing, since she couldn't lift me back up off the ground and everything, she just ran like this, and my whole head was just in the dirt and everything. And the only thing that stopped us was the fifth, and I heard this crazy sound in my head. I thought that I had died, but I didn't. It was Ralph laughing. Ralph was one of those cowboys. You probably knew somebody like this in, in your life. I'm actually married to another one that tends to laugh at the most inappropriate times. You know when he's sharing his Pat and Ken on the back. You know, sometimes you just got to laugh at other people's expense, you know? I mean, and so I got this mare in the headlock, and she's dragging me through the dirt and everything, and we stop at the fence, and she just stands there and kind of quivers, and I'm like, I don't know what to do next. And all of a sudden, I see out of the corner of my dust-filled eyes, I see a horse walk up beside me. I hear this roaring laughter. And Ralph says, How's this plan working out for you? I said, I got her right where I want her. 
He goes, what are you going to do now? I said, we ain't got that far yet. And so he's laughing, and he reaches down, and he grabs me by the back of the belt, but right here, by the back, and he goes to lift me, and the first time his hand slipped, but he had a hold of my fruit of the looms. He liked to pull about two and a quarter yards of cotton straight through me. I screamed again. That part of me was getting wore plum out. Not in a good way. So I screamed and he kind of got this little... <laughs> he had to stop and laugh some more. I said, are you going to stand there and sit there and laugh or are you going to help me? He goes, I ain't decided yet. So finally he reached down and uh, found my, my Wrangler's part and he lifted me back into the saddle. And uh, at that time I was dating a girl that she was a pretty good artist and everything. And I was telling her the story and one of my most prized possessions that I ever gave Ralph was actually a pencil drawing of that thing right there. And Ralph just hoorahed whenever I gave it to him about him having to lift me up off that horse's head. But unlike I probably told Ralph at the time, that is not what I had planned. But the only plan I had was to keep from getting bucked off. And I guess, I, I don't know if that qualifies as coming off or not. But what we are going to talk about today, despite what I had planned that day, what we're going to talk about today is another God, one of God's promises. Last week we talked about how to unleash God's promises on our life. And we talked about the power of prayer, of how God wants to answer our prayers. He said He would answer our prayers. If you missed that, please go to SaveTheCowboy.com. You can click on sermons and listen to all of our sermons, or you can even go online and buy a CD copy of it if you want to do that. But today's promise that we're going to be talking about is found in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. This is a real famous Bible verse, and I, I mean, I just absolutely love it. it. says this, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. What a fantastic promise from God that is. But how many people... And please don't raise your hand even if you're driving or listening or watching or whatever. But how many people think that that plan for their life, that that promise has absolutely come true? They wouldn't change a thing in the world or anything like that. I would bet there's very few of us. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. There are actually three promises in this one verse. Isn't that the way God does it? He makes you one promise, but He gives you a three in, in conjunction with it. The first promise is that He already has a plan picked out for you. It says it right there. For I know the plans I have for you. You know, God didn't say, you know what, I'll figure something out later on for you. When I get around to it, or, or when you get yourself all cleaned up, I'm going to figure out something for you to do. I'm going to have you go clean the porta bodies or something like that. No, God says, I know the plans I have for you. He knew before the beginning of time what He had planned for you. He wants you to do that. And the second thing is, 
The second promise in this one promise, if that makes sense, this plan will prosper you. And now I'm not talking about prosper in just money, okay? Prosper means where you're at today, spiritually, physically, emotionally, even possibly financially, it's not dependent upon just that. But where you're at today, God wants you to be a million miles further down the road than where you're at today. He says it right there. Plans to prosper you. To take you from where you are now and take you down the trail and make you happier than what you ever dreamed possible. Does that sound like your life? That God has already picked out a plan for you and this plan will prosper you. And the third thing in this one promise is this plan will give you a hope and a future. It's not just going to be for like next Tuesday we're going to bless Him and then it's all going to be over. No, this is going to be a continuing thing. God's promise is that number one, He's already got the plan laid out. Number two, it will prosper you. He's going to take you from where you are now and He's going to take you down the road. And number three, it's going to give you hope and a future. You want to talk about a fantastic promise from God? That's one right now. But before we can unleash God's promise on our lives, we have to understand a few ABCs about God's promises, okay? Let's look at a story Jesus told to help us understand this. It's called the parable of the talents. This version that I'm going to read, it comes from our simplified cowboy version that I wrote, and we've got one of these. This comes out of Matthew um, 25, I think. But if you want one of them, they're back there in the back, or you can order them online. Let's look at a story Jesus told about the parable of the talents, starting in verse 14. The boss's place is also like a rancher that went away and left three of his cowboys in charge of training some coming two-year-olds. He knew what each cowboy was capable of, and he gave the first cowboy five colts to break. The second cowboy, he gave three colts to break, and he gave one colt to one cowboy. As soon as the rancher was gone, the first cowboy broke all five of the colts and then swapped them. He took them, and he swapped them for ten unbroke horses. So he broke five, he took those five broke colts, and he went and swapped them on a two-for-one deal, which is pretty standard for cowboying. He, he swapped ten unbroke for five broke. And swapped them for ten unbroken colts. The cowboy with two colts did the same thing, but the cowboy with one colt was afraid to even work with the horse. He locked it in a stall so nothing would go wrong and the horse would be safe. He didn't ride it or even halter break it. When the rancher returned, he asked them about the horses he had assigned to them. The cowboy who got five horses told about how he had done some horse trading and showed him the ten saddle-broke horses. The cowboy said, You gave me five horses that couldn't be ridden, and now you have ten that can be. Great job, the rancher said. I'm going to make you a full partner in this outfit. I put you in charge of just a little bit, but now I will put you in charge of even more. Get your stuff out of the bunkhouse and go put it in the big house. Amen. The cowboy who had been given the two colts walked with the rancher to another set of pens. 
The cowboy said, you gave me two horses that couldn't be ridden, and now you have four that can be. Great job, the rancher said. I'm going to make you a full partner on this outfit. I put you in charge of just a little bit, but now I'll put you in charge of even more. Get your stuff out of the bunkhouse and go put it in the big house. The cowboy that had received one colt walked with the rancher over to the stall where he'd kept the one horse. The cowboy said, I know that you're a hard man and don't tolerate excuses or shoddy work. Lost my place. I was afraid that something might happen to this colt, so I just kept him in here so he would be safe. The rancher was furious and said, You know that I'm a hard man and I don't tolerate excuses or shoddy work. You could have at least broke this horse so I could use him during branding season coming up. Then the rancher said, Take this colt and give it to the cowboy with the ten horses. Everyone who risks everything for me will be given more, but for those that are scared and cautious, everything will be taken away from them. I know city slickers that are better cowboys than you are. You're going to be thrown off this ranch while you were suffering great pain and cry all day and all night. Wow. Wow. What are some ABCs that we can learn from the parable of the talents? What is God saying here? He's given all of us a gift according to who you are. Some he gave a lot of gifts. Some he gave a few gifts. And a few of you only got one gift. And he's telling us that we're to use those gifts. Use those gifts. Here's the ABCs that we can learn from this. The first A stands for attitude. Whoever can be trusted with a little will be given even more. Now, I know that I'm probably the only one in here that probably needs to work on their attitude about some things. But you know what? Some people never get past their little. Their greed wants more now. In other words, they look at their one horse, their one talent, their one gift, and they're not satisfied with it, so they don't do a stinking thing with it. They want more. They want more now. Doing stuff for God always comes later. You know, I want God to bless me so I can do stuff. No, you're being selfish and you know it if you look down deep. Their greed wants more now, not later. They don't want to work for anything. They just want to sit back and, you know, Man, I know God has a plan for me, so I'm just going to sit back and I ain't going to do a stinking thing. I'm just going to put that horse in the stall over there where nothing will happen to it so that when God comes back and everything, He'll tell me what He wants me to do. I'm telling you now that He's already given you the gift that whatever it is, He wants you to use it now, not tomorrow. Not when something changes. Not when you get your life cleaned up a little better. He wants you to do it now. He wants you to be content with where you are because God is sovereign, meaning everything happens under God's control. And if everything happens under God's control, then He has put you where you're at for a reason. And probably if you've been praying about moving on from where you're at right now, it's because you haven't done what you're supposed to do at this point in time. we got to fix our attitudes. If you want to unleash God's plan on your life, the first thing we got to do is get our attitude right and make sure that that is in the right place. The B stands for blessing. God wants to bless what you are doing right now, not some unknown activity in the future. God plans in, 
involves blessing you today, not tomorrow. See, there's this misconception. Follow me here, guys and gals. <coughs> there is not some magical little trail in the sense of God's plan for you. There is not some magical little trail that is way off over here somewhere in the far distance that God and Michael and Gabriel and the rest of the angels have all done a Calcutta to see if you're going to find that or not. That does not work. That is not the way He planned it. God wants to bless whatever you do. He wants to bless you right now. Not later on. Not next week. Not whenever you get this or get rid of that. He doesn't want to bless you whenever your bank account gets bigger or smaller or when you get your truck paid off. He wants to bless you right now in what you're doing because what you're doing right now is part of that plan. God wants to double bless you, not breadcrumb bless you. What do I mean by that? Look back up in Matthew 25. Do you really think that in God's terms that it was uh, a little bit unusual that the guy took the five talents and turned them into ten? Do you think it was a little bit unusual that the one guy took uh, two, co or, uh, yeah, two colts and turned them into four? God wants to double your blessing. He wants to do it, but unfortunately there's too many of us that take what little we have and we go stick it in a stall and we never, we may feed it a little bit or we may acknowledge it or something like that, but we never do a stinking thing with it. He wants to bless you, but in order to do that, He wants to double bless you. He wants to double your portion, but you've got to use your gifts, folks. You've got to use your gifts. And there's this prosperity gospel going around that says you don't have to do a stinking thing but call on God and He's going to bless your bank account and He's going to do this and He's going to do that. No, that's baloney. He wants you to use his, his gifts that He's given you. And it's time that we all started. God wants to double bless you, not breadcrumb bless you. So many of us are, are so satisfied with just, you know, oh, well, I guess that worked out kind of good, you know. Oh, I'm happy, I'm blessed. And inside you're like, you know that's BS. Seriously, let's just call it like it is. Who doesn't want a double blessing? If you don't want a double blessing, then you're probably in the wrong spot and you're probably just going to keep on going like you are, living like you are, feeling like you are, and acting like you are for the rest of your life. It's time that we pulled our cult out of the stall and started working with it. God wants to unleash a blessing on what you are doing right now. That blessing is available to you right now. We talked about the, we're talking about the ABCs. A stood for attitude. Be sure that our attitude is right. B. B stands for blessing. God wants to bless you right now. A double blessing. And the C stands for serve. Y'all. Are we going to have to pray right now or what? That was funny. I was 
Never mind. C stands for serve. Thank you, Rudy. C stands for serve. Thank you. Thanks, Scooter. God's plan for your life will involve serving Him and others. I'm telling you that right now. I sat there while I was preparing this, and I tried to think of how many people in the Bible that God truly anointed and blessed that didn't serve God or serve other people, and I couldn't come up with a single one. God wants to bless you. He's got a plan for your life, but your plan that He has for you already involves two things, serving Him and serving others. Now, that could be in a capacity that I have no idea. Maybe you're a rancher. If you don't think you're serving others, are you growing quality beef so that people will be able to eat? Isn't that a form of serving? And if you did that for the glory of God and that so others may be blessed by the fruits of, of His labor through you, isn't that serving others? So I'm not talking about that you're going to have to sell everything you own and open up a soup kitchen. Now, if God tells you to do that, I'm going to kick you in the honey if you don't. But what I'm saying is God wants you to serve Him and serve others. In verse 29, in verse 29 that we read in the parable of the talents, it says, everyone who risks everything for me, for me, not for me, God's talking. We don't do it for us. We have to do it for Him. It has to be for Him. Everyone who risks everything for me will be given more. How great of a promise is that in itself? He's promising you a double blessing right there. Everyone who risks everything for me will be given more, but for those that are scared and cautious, all will be taken away from them. Are you bold? Do you just jump out there for God and you don't care about anything else except serving Him and serving others? and you're willing to do whatever, there's not a cautious bone in your body, are you scared and timid? You just go in there, oh, well, I don't want to, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do, you know, what if they get mad at me if I tell them, you know, about God, or, you know, man, just, man, be bold, be a man, grow some. Hey, listen up, I know God was really talking to you today. If you'd like to hear the whole story, Get online and get it at www.savethecowboy.com. There you will find all you need to get where Jesus wants you to be, no matter how long or little you've been riding with Him. You ought to know by now that I ain't going to jerk your leg. Okay, <laughs> maybe just a little bit. But this one ain't no story. This here's the truth. We need you to saddle up with us and keep this gospel being spread to cowboys and cowgirls like you. I'm asking you to go to savethecowboy.com and make a donation to help us out. This program was brought to you in part by my good friends Jim and Kelly Gerald of Integrity Auto Repair and Rod and Brenda Denning of Tumbleweed Hay and Holly, both from Kiowa, Colorado. <laughs>